0: How many know that church is a great place to be? You know, ever since I've been a little guy, one time I woke my parents up and I was in my three-piece suit ready to go. And my parents looked at each other and said, I guess we're going to church today. Because, you know, there's something about being with God's people. There's something about being under the government of God with power from heaven in God's church. And when you're in it, you're in it. When you're out of it, you're out of it. So I want to invite you to make your local church your passion. I mean, Christ is our passion, but the local body, we can't do life alone. So thank you for making church a priority. Thank you for making, uh, coming together a priority in your life. It does matter. I mean, you can read the good book. It's full of examples of why it matters. Well, in this series, we're coming to know that we are sons and daughters living in the kingdom. Now, this is something interesting. If I, I read this quote. Even Jesus, who, unlike us, could do everything, did not do everything. He only did the things assigned to him, the divinely delegated things that were his alone to complete. You see, from the Garden of Eden to the final chapters of Revelation, our Father was all about connection and relationship. From one side of the Bible to the other. And heaven is a perfect relational connection with God our Father. Heaven, there will be no distractions. No cell phones going off. (laughs) Heaven will be a perfect connection with our family. That's our goal. So obviously that's what we're practicing here. We learn to prioritize based on what the father prioritizes. After all, he's the king and we're his people. So we're in a kingdom. Now today I wanted to explain deeper the concepts of how to love everyone but invest in a few. It's really my life story in a nutshell. It might surprise some of you, but I'm an extrovert and a people person. You think I had challenges prioritizing my relationships? If my wife was here, she would say yes. See, we we come to our relationships in three different ways. And we really come at life in three different ways. And just to quickly review, using three chairs as an example, chair three, chair two, chair one, what chair are you in? Chair three, you're a slave to sin. You don't know God. You're a broken person, and you're defending yourself for your own security. Chair two, you've become by faith uh, into the uh, into the kingdom of God, and unfortunately, even though you came by faith, you now switched over into an earned, deserved relationship, and you become a high servant of God, and you are going to work so hard to earn His affection and to please Him. Chair number one is when you're transferred. Not a slave, not a servant, but a son or daughter. And you rest in affection and peace and honor. And you live in a, in a godly, divine family. And you live from blessing. You live from rest. You live from honor. Those are three different chairs. And unfortunately, because I didn't understand chair one, I spent most of my life right here in chair two. At the age of four or five, I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. He forgave me of my sins and set apart a place for me in heaven. And then I thought, well, now I'm going to work really hard for the rest of my life, and I'm going to show God and others how much, how serious I am as a Christian. Does anyone ever try that one? This is what I was raised under right here. This was the gospel of you better work hard and don't get caught sinning in case Jesus comes back. That's what I heard from my pulpit. So, in some areas, we're very mature over here, like in chair one. In other areas, we're kind of in the middle growing up. In other areas, we're very immature. And we act like slaves. You know, think of your finances. Think of your relationships. Think of your physical health. Each area, we act like certain people. But our goal is to become mature sons and daughters of God in every area of our life. But how do you get there if you don't prioritize? How do you get there if you're like me? who instead of just loving everyone, I loved everyone, and I invested in everyone. Do you think I got spread a little thin? But do you think I was well-liked? Do you think I was popular in high school? Because, yes, because I was everyone's friend. You know, when you work hard from chair two, you can still get promoted at work. You can still have a lot of friends. You can have a lot of good things, but it kind of becomes a worldly system of earned deserve. See, the, the supernatural favor of God is over here, where you have grace, and you get things you don't deserve. How many like grace? Grace is the empowering gift of God for you to accomplish the things that he wants you to do. It's the things you receive, not by works, but it's a gift. So around the age of 18, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, Jesus, you're my number one. And I made the mistake of even working harder, trying to spend more time with more people. I thought, well, now I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now I can really work for God. So I went to every prayer meeting. I went to all the volunteer meetings. I joined these clubs. I did the outreach. I worked, I worked, I worked. I learned a lot. I, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but the problem was uh, I sacrificed the same to every person. So how do you think my close friends felt at that time? They didn't feel like close friends. They were hurt because I was giving the same to everyone, not just them. My close friendships suffered. I didn't have time for them. I had no boundaries. And I've learned so much through Celebrate Recovery, but I had no boundaries. I was a people pleaser. I was afraid to say no. I didn't want to let anybody down. I didn't want to let God's reputation down. For some reason, I thought I was holding it up. So I had to find a way to say yes. Is any of that really biblical thinking? No. But is it popular in our world to live a life like that? Everybody likes someone around them that says yes. And I was that person. It was not sustainable. It looked productive. It looked praiseworthy. It felt satisfying. But you know, to be honest, on the inside, I was empty and not content. I tried to work harder and make people happy. I thought God would be happier if I just worked harder for him. What chair was I sitting in in all that time? Two. This is a new thing I had. Chair two, work till you're blue. Chair two, work till you're blue. That was me. I served to be noticed. I served to find self-worth. If I do this, then they will love me. If I do this, then I can provide for myself. Do you want to be your own provider? Or would you rather have God pick up the check? It's way more fun over here when God starts saying, you know what, I think I promise in Matthew 6, 33, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. Would you rather have God add it to your life, or do you want to just try to earn it right here? Well, I didn't know about that chair, so I just work harder. If I do this, God will accept me. He will bless me, and he will bring me fulfillment. Do I have what it takes was the constant question I kept asking. And all men ask this question. Do I have what it takes? Am I man enough? Well, I'll just work a little bit harder to prove it to myself. I'll prove to God and myself and others that I have what it takes through my work. This is the three words. Do, have, be. I do things so I have things. Once I have some some things, then I'll be a somebody. Do, have, be. That's the way the world works. That's the way I was working. If I have a better ministry, if I can do more things for God in my local church, then I'll have some stuff. Once I have some stuff, people will look at me and I'll be a somebody. We know the story of Mary and Martha. Martha was a chair two person in this situation. I'm not saying her whole life, but she was working to earn it. Work first, rest later. See, we confuse our identity with our purpose. See, my purpose here is to be a a pastor and a a father and a husband. But my identity is not what I do. My identity is a son of the living God. And you can't take that from me. You can take my license as a pastor. Uh, You could take me from my family. But you can't stop me from being a beloved son of God. It is recorded in heaven because I made a choice by faith. And out of that position of son, I can be a healthy pastor. I can be the healthiest husband I can be. And a loving father is my hope, working on it, to my children. See, I thought I was saved to work harder and gain more public recognition and affirmation. I thought a good Christian must always say yes to people and meet their needs. So I spent my young adult years trying to be the best servant in the house. But what I didn't know was I was already a beloved son in the house. I was over here trying to make minimum wage, working hard, and I didn't know I was already fully covered by my father as a beloved son. I was trying to earn something that was already given. What a waste. No wonder I wasn't very happy. No wonder I would compare myself to other people and go, wow, I'm falling short. These are all orphan ways of thinking. It's putting faith in yourself to accomplish your goals. Leaving God as a distant observer or judge. Now let's fast forward my story to 2020, 2021. Right here. How many really enjoyed those COVID lockdowns? Maybe a few introverts thought they did for a while. Now I'm an extrovert. I'm a people person, so I hated it. I couldn't see anybody. So here I am at my house, you know, twiddling my thumbs. You can't meet, you can't see people. So I'm just dying inside. So sometimes I met very occasionally with people. All my relationships exploded, blown up, no fun. And uh people are upset, they're divided, they're 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 leaving, they're they're making accusations. And people are leaving. you know, I'm investing in people and they're just leaving the church. I felt horrible. I felt like I was not a good pastor. I felt, oh, I didn't do enough. I felt, oh, I said the wrong thing. And I thought to myself, if this is pastoring, I don't know if this is going to be a long-term gig. Because just giving all the time and people just taking all the time and, and, and making rude comments and saying how they don't like this and leaving, I mean, I just didn't feel good about it. I didn't go home all pumped up. I remember talking to my friend, uh, Gareth, and then I went into Pastor Kevin's office with my head down, you know. <sighs> you know, sometimes in life, you got to go to someone else. you got to have men or women in your life that you trust that you can go to in time of need and share your heart. Well, I went into Pastor Kevin's office, and I put my he- head down, and I said, this is not working. I don't know what pastoring's all about, but somehow I'm wrong, and it hurts, and I'm not really into this. And wise Pastor Kevin sat me down. Oh, let me tell you a story. You know? So, of course, he smiles and tells me this wonderful story with revelation in it. And the bottom line of the story was, love everyone, but invest in a few. But he didn't really know. My friend Gareth, who I called down in Texas, had pretty much said the exact sentence to me. So I had double confirmation in about 30 minutes. And the light bulb came on. And ever since that day, I've been a different person. Ask my wife, asked my close friends. That day, I had revelation from heaven, and it changed me. I love everyone. I love all of you. But I can't invest in all of you in the same amount. There's only so much I can give in a day. You see, I was paying attention to the wrong people. You notice that word, paying attention? It's an investment word. I was paying attention to the wrong people. That's right, I was making a good sized deposit. So I was making a good deposit, but it was a poor investment. The size of my investment didn't match the maturity of the vessel. So I was making too large of deposits in immature vessels. And do you think that went well? No. That's why we had this altar call for vessels of honor. Because as you grow and you receive more as a vessel of honor, you can handle more kingdom revelation and maturity. It's a process. And thank you for stepping out and believing for that. Now, let's look at the life of Jesus. How did he do it? How many know that Jesus' life on earth was perfect theology for you and I? Let's study Jesus and copy him and then apply his principles in our time for alignment. So let's see what Jesus did here. He loved everyone. Wow. Isn't that a shocker? That's the one we learn in, like, Sunday school when we first go, right? For God so loved the world. But he invested in a few. He loved everyone, but he gave himself repeatedly and intentionally to a few. He spent more time with fewer people, and he invested differently on purpose with different people. Let's take a look. Remember, there was four or 5,000 people that spent three days with him, and then he fed them and was a part of their healing. But did he have four or 5,000 over for a sleepover at his house? Or he didn't have a house at one of his friends' house. No, you can't have four or 5,000 people over for a sleepover. Then you have the 500. He appeared to them after his resurrection for the 40 days after his resurrection. He appeared to them, about 500 of them. Then there was the 70 in Luke 10 that he said he sent out his disciples, two by two. So these would have been closer to him. He gave them specific permission and assignments, and then he sent them out, 72. Then he spent three years with how many? The 12. And their patron saints, and, and there was the ladies there, Martha, and there was other friends in that group. He spent over three years with them. Now, did he have a sleepover with, those, with them? Yes. They didn't, like, bunk out at different hotels at nighttime. All right, well, see you in the morning. You know, they, they did life together for three years. He invested in them differently than the 5,000. Then there was the three that he went to a deeper level with. He took them to the Mount of Transfiguration, and he prayed with them separately in the garden. Who were those three? James, John, Peter. You notice in the Scriptures, those three had different access to him than the others. And then lastly, our our favorite, John. The beloved. We see him resting on the the chest of Christ at the last meal. Asking personal questions. Remember, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you can hear his whisper. And when Jesus was on the cross, dealing with our shame and sin that we talked about earlier, who was it that he spoke to down there? He said to John, you know, this is my mother. Your mother. Son, your son. There was an intimacy there that those those two had. So what I'm trying to say is Jesus invested differently in different people for a different purpose. We need to decide if we're going to go to the next level of grace and honor and kingdom in our lives, we have to begin to identify those who are closest to us and accordingly make proper investments. Paul had Timothy. Timothy. He called him his beloved son. In another passage in Corinthians, he called him a beloved and faithful son in the Lord. Do you have any beloved faithful sons or daughters in the Lord? Are there people that look up to you as a spiritual father and mother that could use some time? Do you think that would be a worthy investment for the kingdom of God? Paul also had Barnabas, his friend and encouragement. He had John Mark, who was his partner, to help him get ministry done. And Paul would always end his letters thanking all the people that were around him and helping him in the different churches. But they all did not have the same access as his spiritual son, Timothy. So what are we to do? We must live from chair one. We must live, and we got to get comfortable in chair one. How many know it takes a while to get comfortable sometimes in a new chair? You know, when you're used to this one over here, which is earn, deserve world, it's hard to come over here when it's already paid for. That's why I hang out with men of God and women of God in our church who are ahead of me because they try to teach me, Mark, stop, earn, deserve. You're already there. I'm like, oh, man, I'm just trying to get used to it because you try to do something to prove yourself, but you're already a son. We must love everyone but invest in a few. We must move from random to intentional. We must move from life happening to us. Now, we need to decide that we are going to happen to life. You choose what's going to happen. Don't just wait, oh, well, I don't know how the day is going to go. Probably something bad's going to happen. You know, that's not a good kingdom thinking. That's like chair two, one thinking. Like, well, you know, just stuff happens. Can't really control it. I'm just going to, you know, we'll see. Oh, look, it's raining again. You know, it's cold. There's There's a complaining lifestyle and a, oh, no, I don't have any control. And there's over here as a son and daughter going, wow, I feel so good to be loved. Father, what's on your heart today? How can I express your kingdom at work today? Who should I call today? Who should I invest in? How is my spouse? How are my children? Start right there and work out. I like what Chris Vallaton said. In this digital age, it can be crippling to fight the battle of distraction that is so detrimental to our relationships. We can't effectively steward our relationships if we live by reaction to distractions instead of by intention. We can't effectively steward our relationships if we live by reaction to distraction. Do you ever get distracted in a day? Your phone's going to beep, beep. You know, you could probably get contacted like 20 different ways on your phone before 7 a.m. Easily. Now, 100 years ago, how did that work? Pretty hard to get a hold of you. We have to be intentional. As a chair one son or daughter, we invest from a place of rest. You have to invest from a place of rest. Think of Adam created on the sixth day, in all the glory of God. What happened the next day for Adam? Day seven. What was day seven? A day of rest. We start from rest. We start from our Father's pleasure. We start from that position. And then we invest. Mary had it right. She sat at the feet of Jesus. She received First, then you go to work. So in the kingdom, it's be, have, do. You are a somebody. Because of that, you have access to things. And because you have access to things, you can go do all kinds of stuff. It's reverse. You are a somebody, so therefore you have things. Because you have things, now you can go live on purpose. Be, have, do. We acknowledge whose we are first, son and daughter. Second, we acknowledge what we have been given as a gift. And third, we go to work. We say we have what it takes because we're happy to serve and take risks as a son or daughter of God. So let's get practical about this. This is the practical side. Who will you invest in? Who will you invest in? Right now, who's coming to the top of your mind If you're going to live an intentional life as a son and daughter of God, don't forget, number one, you start with your spouse and your children. Number one, start with your spouse and children. Start with those who are already in your circle. And it goes without saying, you can't do any of this if you don't start in chair one with Jesus. This is not a self-help, you know, maximization plan. You start by faith, love Jesus, staying in the word, praying to him, talking to him, and then when we have that, we can freely give it to our spouse and children. Secondly, who have you asked to invest in you? Who have you asked to invest in you? Have you had the courage to think of someone that you respect and honor in this church and go up to them and say, Wow, you know, it would be so fun. I, I heard some of your story. Could we have a coffee or lunch, or could I take you? And I'd like to hear more about what God's doing in your life. Could you share some of your stories that God has taught you? And then all you do is pay the bill and listen. Take your journal. You don't have to talk. You just smile like this. Oh, great, good. Keep going. What else? What else? Do you know that people pay thousands of dollars to go to conferences and specialists and therapists to hear what you will receive as a free gift over coffee or lunch? It's, the treasure is in this house. You've got to knock. You've got to make the call. Don't expect people coming to you. You've got to go to them. Don't wait for someone, to, oh, you know, I just, just thought I'd like to spend more time with. Maybe they will do that. But most of the time, you have to be active, and you have to go to them and say, "Could we spend some time together? Can we have a, a meal together or have coffee? I'd like to learn and for you to share some things. Have you found a spiritual father or mother like Paul had found with Timothy? Pray about it first. Ask God to highlight people who you're supposed to invest in. Write it down. If you were to look at my notepaper in my office, every January, I write down the people that I believe that God has called me to invest in. It always starts with Jesus in the middle, and then my wife, and then my three kids. Those are the core. And then after that, I add the people that God has confirmed or affirmed or told me, spend time with these people. And then I write them down again. And then I get circles about this big out on the piece of paper. And now, once or twice a year I look at that piece of paper and I see how I'm doing. I encourage you to write it out and then check that list a couple times a year. And it will change. Next year, do another list. January is coming. You can start today, but review it and change it. Because how many know relationships change? It's not the same, is it? People come and go. And it's okay. So here's the question. Does your calendar your debit card and your emotional load match your investments. Because we can say, oh, yeah, I'm totally invested. I love this place. I love this church. I love these people. But if people look at your calendar or your checkbook or your emotional volunteering and all that stuff, you'd be like, well, they're, they're a new investor. Okay, they're, they're, they're a beginner. What they'll find is what you're truly invested in. The Bible says this, wherever, what does it say? Wherever your heart is, did I get that backwards? Wherever your treasure is, thank you. I knew that didn't sound right. Wherever your treasure is, there is your heart. So you, can, you know where you invested. You can just look at your life and you go, that's really where I'm invested. I say I'm invested in this, but my real investment is this. So if you want your heart to align with Jesus' heart, change your investments. Invest in the things that he invests in. So I want you to seriously go home today and write out your list of intentional relationships. Don't let another day go by where you don't write it out. Spend time writing it out. And then if you're married, show your spouse what they got. And what you might find is some of them overlap. And then you can have a real fun time as a couple meeting with other people. Surrender it to God in prayer. And really that's it. That's simple. Living from chair one, loving everyone, so don't be a jerk to anyone. Pray for all people, even love your enemies, but invest in a few. You go home and pray, make your list, write it out, and then Mo- Monday morning's coming and you can make some decisions. Make keep it simple. Keep it basic. Keep it practical. And watch slowly how your life will align healthier. And think, your, when your relation. how many know when relationships are in order, life tends to go better? Amen? Amen. So let's stand together. If you'd like prayer after this, feel free to come forward, and myself or others will pray for you. We want to continue to challenge you and invite you on this journey as, of, as living as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. It's a joyful thing. It's a thing of grace. It's not an earned deserve. It's a gift. So, Father, I thank you for this morning. And I thank you that you're teaching us that we can love everyone, but we only invest in a few. Give us wisdom and give us um, clarity on the relationships this year that you want us to signify, to pour into, and invest in. God, give us your love for those people deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you this week. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you soon.